Well, it's weird to talk about this during a technology segment, but it is 420. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. About 13 minutes after 6, so they are going to try again this morning to launch the world's most powerful rocket, the Elon Musk SpaceX creation, taller even than the Saturn V. That was the big old rocket that took men to the moon in the late 1960s and early 70s. What's the confidence level today? Because the confidence level from those in the know, like Elon Musk and others, was fairly low on, on Monday. Monday. Yeah, that's when they last tried to do it. It's called Starship. Scrubbed launch Monday due to a stuck valve. They're going to go for it again today. Launch window opens at 8.28 a.m. our time. And in terms of the confidence level in the success of this mission, and they're in the experiment, I don't want to call it experimental stages, but they're in the early stages of designing this whole new space launch system. And if you remember back in the early days of the space program, we had a lot of screw-ups, too. Oh, a lot yeah. of things blew up. So Musk is basically on record saying, as long as this thing clears the pad and doesn't ruin all the infrastructure down there, we're good. Success. <laughs> right. Success, which means, I don't want to call it probable, but quite possible that this thing blows up at some point. Oh, I mean, it would be kind of, it would be amazing to see that, not in a positive way, but boy, you hope for the best. And unlike many space launches that we're used to, this is launching from the SpaceX facility in South Texas, yeah. so over the Gulf Coast, as opposed to the Cape in Florida. God, so that'd be cool to see. Keep an eye on that. Well, that's the problem. Like, I've always, you know, I'm a space nut. I've always thought of traveling to see, back in the day, a space shuttle launch or something like that. But you can't count on it happening. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, you never know. When Last thing you want to do is spend a bunch of money, fly down there, and then we got a stuck scrub. valve for three days, and then eh, I guess I'll fly home. And they launch it the next day. <laughs> That's what would happen. Well, I did say people were going to die. 8.28 is the scheduled launch time. 6.14 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. With Giannis in street clothes on the sidelines, the Bucks pulled off a record-setting performance in a 138-122 win over the Miami Heat in Game 2 of their best-of-seven opening round playoff series. Middleton with a rebound. He's going the other way. Triggers the pass ahead. Connaughton once more. Why not? Big shot pass. He has hit three from distance tonight. He has hit all five of his shots. He's got 13 and another timeout coming from the Miami Heat. Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ as the Bucs would knock down an NBA playoff record tying 25 three-pointers. Pat Connaughton hitting six of his own. Bucks guard Pat Connaughton didn't play a single minute in a Game 1 loss to the Heat. With injuries to Giannis and Wesley Matthews, Connaughton was called upon for 25 minutes in Game 2. His response? 22 points. It's time of year where if you look back since I've been in Milwaukee, I always try to rise to the occasion. Connaughton's night featured 8 of 12 shooting from the field, 6 of 10 from 3. We were getting open looks, but we were doing so much other stuff. You know, we were making it harder on them on the defensive end. We were getting out and running. We were playing with pace. We were being physical. We were having Brooke dominate the paint. You know, we were doing things that we're accustomed to doing. From Pfizer Forum, Greg Matzik, WTMJ Sports. The Bucks got a lot of help off the bench, including their Pat Connaughton, but Brooke Lopez was the story of the game early and often. He led the team in scoring 
with 25 points. Yeah, he was great. You know, I think uh, his teammates finding him, his teammates looking for him, uh, being in attack mode, everybody, you know, created some good opportunities for, for Brooke, and he delivered. Tied at a game apiece. The series now moves down to Miami for th- games three and four. Game three will be played on Saturday night. The storyline to watch here, Giannis will travel with the team, but it is unclear if he will suit up and play it. Over to the Diamond, where Eric Lauer only used four hits, only allowed, excuse me, four hits over seven and two-thirds innings, and the Brewers completed the series sweep over the Seattle Mariners by a final of 5-3 to three to secure their 14th win of the season. The Brewers wrapped up their 10-day, 10-game road trip with a, an impressive 7-3 and three record and now come back home to Milwaukee, Milwaukee to host Boston starting on Friday night. Coming up, it is Tornado and Severe Weather Awareness Week. You know, sometimes it feels like white noise. Oh, yeah, we got severe weather. We got, yeah, yeah. Well, we got a story of a guy who lived through a very troubling situation, and he's going to share that with us next on Wisconsin's Morning News. The sky is crying. Another stormy day here in southeast Wisconsin. Like I said, a couple more rounds. And there was supposed to be a statewide tornado drill for Tornado and Severe Weather Awareness Week. A lot of the schools do things mm-hmm. in conjunction with that. Yeah, they used to have like an actual EAS go out on all the TVs and all the radios. But they don't do that anymore, but they still do the drills at the schools and you might hear the siren. Not today, though. Because we'll have actual weather in the area. Yes. They don't want to confuse people, so the tornado drill is off for today. Correct. You're going to move that till tomorrow. I wanted to play this for you. This is from a gentleman I met a few years ago. I was out at an event with Steve Scafidi, and I met this guy, and he started telling me this story about how Straight Line Winds, he lived in New Berlin, came and like tore the roof off his house. And it wasn't a tornado or anything like that, but it just it was a reminder of just how devastating and damaging some of these storms can be. It was a nice summer night, fluffy white clouds and blue skies. About 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up because the wind was really getting, I mean, it was really, you could really hear it. So I wanted to get up and look out the window and see what's going on in the yard. I was looking out the window and I'm watching these trees that don't bend, bend, really bend. I could hear the house starting to break apart and wood was literally shattering and I started to get a really sick feeling in my stomach because my daughter was in the other room and something was coming apart and it sounded like it was by her. I run into her room, my wife beats me to the room, she runs in there and just as we are pulling her out of the crib, the, the roof disappears and the window that I was looking out shattered flew into the house. The storm that came through here literally ripped the roof off the house. Not just parts, but the whole roof. So when you're looking up, you're looking directly at the sky. We didn't know what to do. We were kind of confused and and a little panicked and and kind of pacing back and forth thinking, we can't stay here because the house is coming apart. And we got to be careful because if we leave, the house is coming apart. So I said to her, my wife, I said, just walk behind me, try to walk into my footsteps because there's glass everywhere. And if I'm walking okay, you'll be fine too. We get out of the house and we're barely clothed because you know we were in bed. You know, outside there's all sorts of stuff that's demolished, gazebo or garage. <laughs> there's a telephone wire wrapped around the car, the fireplace is gone. So we go to the neighbor's house and he comes to the door, he wants to know what's going on. And we tell him, well, you know, we uh, we lost a roof, so he finally kind of looks down at himself and he goes, yeah, I should probably put some clothes on, because all he had on was his underwear. 
my daughter was fine, and she, as we walked out of the house, it was kind of drizzling a little bit. Things had calmed down. She just had like a kind of a whimsical look on her face. She was kind of squinting and didn't quite understand what we were doing outside at the middle of the night, but she was fine. She never cried or made a peep or anything. The next day, we were um, met by the emergency management and the Red Cross, and the, I think the mayor actually stopped by too, and everyone wanted to know who owns his house, and it was me, and I was in a really good mood, and no one could understand why is it that I'm such a really, really good mood. I thought I lost my daughter, and I told all these people I'm not upset about anything because I, I have my daughter, she's healthy, and, uh, and all this other crap is, is easily replaceable. It's just, you know, it's just, you know, just a house. We were there on the news for probably three days, I think, because it must have been, like I said, a, a slow news week. But they covered the story, and I think Bev said something like, even when there's a disaster, it really doesn't matter because there's really more important things in life. And I thought, you know, perfect way to end it. And uh, I just, you know, it kind of, you know, I get a little choked up when I think about it because it was really something. It wasn't a tornado, just straight line winds. That story from a gentleman in New Berlin from years ago. Just a reminder to heed the weather warnings and take the forecast seriously. At 6.42 on Wisconsin's Morning News, need your help today out at American Family Field. We are teaming up with the Brewers Community Foundation to support the Wisconsin Humane Society. They're having a supplies drive at the ballpark today. Our Debbie Lazica is out there in the parking lot. She's right up by Hellfire Field, checking in live with us this morning. Hey, Deb. Hey there. How you guys doing? Big old line out there yet or no? Uh, not quite yet. Um, I got to tell you, when we first got here, it was pouring rain. And when they opened up the actual building for Hellfire, we were very happy. <laughs> because yeah. there was a lot of lightning, too, and it was a little bit freaky. But do not let the weather stop you. We are here with the Brewers Community Foundation uh, helping out the Wisconsin Humane Society. We're collecting uh, pet supplies for uh, the shelter because every time they send out an animal they also send out uh, like a little care package for them and and uh, they also have the furry friends food pantry that they have for folks who maybe have fallen on harder times and they don't want anybody to have to turn their dogs in because of that so they kind of help everybody out with the pet supplies through that uh, kind of like a, a food pantry type of setup that they've got so we are here at Hellfare Field we've got a tent outside which I will be running out there uh, uh, to hang out with uh, everybody and, and say hi as they're dropping off their pet supplies and or money. And uh, but then I'll be coming back in here to, to actually talk to you guys and stuff like that. But don't forget, we've got like, it's it's a blast. It's super easy, super convenient. It's like a roll in, drop off the stuff, say hi, and then roll back out. You won't even, you won't, you won't be late for work. I promise you that. Um, and then, by the way, they're going to be here from 7 a.m. to 5 today. I'm going to be here from 7 to 10, but they're going to be here all day. And not only that, you can also come to the homestand this weekend, and they will be having, they will have tables for collections of pet supplies throughout the homestand as well. A uh, little bit of something, something for you. If you do come by today, they're going to be giving out to the first 200 people uh, who donate stuff. Um, we'll have a collectible brewer's bobblehead. Nice. I do not know which one it is. Doesn't matter. Um, in fact, they've got a bunch bunch of different ones so there we go Good. and then we also have uh willie adamas pin that is a collectible willie adamas pin for any donation or a donation of ten dollars or above so come on out it is a blast it's not raining right now and they're going to so start collecting thanks deb seven o'clock this morning brewers community foundation taking your donations for the wisconsin humane society
time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Behind a go-ahead RBI single in the seventh inning off the bat of Bryce Drain, the Milwaukee Brewers completed the series sweep on Seattle, defeating the Mariners by a final of 5-3 to three Wednesday afternoon. The Brew Crew finished their 10-game West Coast road trip with an impressive 7-3 and three record. The 14-5 and five Brewers now get a day off today. They are back at it Friday as they play host to the Boston Red Sox, who open up a three-game series starting on Friday. With the honest and street close on the sidelines, the Bucks pulled off a record-setting performance, sinking 25 three-pointers in a 138-122 win over the Miami Heat in Game 2 of their best-of-seven playoff series. Brooke Lopez led the team with 25 points, and Drew Holiday added 24. With the series tied a game apiece, it now moves down to Miami for games three and four. Game three will be played on Saturday. Giannis will travel with the team, but it is unclear if he will suit up and play. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. While you were asleep, the Oakland Athletics team president, Dave Caval, announced very late on Wednesday evening that their team has officially finalized a deal to buy a 49-acre lot near the Las Vegas Strip. If you're paying attention, you're probably not shocked by this news. However, I do feel for the fans of Oakland more than anything who also saw their professional football team move to in 2020. I think most people that are familiar with the situation in Oakland probably saw this coming. An old stadium and unmotivated ownership and lack of support have just been a few of the main causes for the future relocation of Oakland. With the eventual move of the Athletics to Las Vegas, it got me thinking on my drive into the studios this morning how lucky we are here in little old Milwaukee. If you can go back and reach into your memory bank, it wasn't that long ago. Our teams here, the Bucks and the Brewers in Milwaukee, well, they had a kind of a cloudy, unknown future. The Bucks in 2014 sold to Wes Edens and Mark Lazary, but before that sale... The future of the Bucks in this city was in serious jeopardy. The team, well, they weren't very good. The arena was extremely outdated. And a move to Seattle or Las Vegas was a very, very, very real possibility. The Brewers were kept safe in Milwaukee. A big thanks to former commish Bud Selick and now owner Mark Antanasio. In comparison, though, the cities of Milwaukee and Oakland are very, very close in both sides and population. So you ask yourself, why has one small city kept their teams and not the other? The answer, just luck, really. The Bucks hit the jackpot drafting Giannis in 2013, and with the new owners coming in the following year, the vision was set and eventually put into place. The payout, though, paid off for them. Multiple MVPs out of Giannis and a 50-year-in-the-waiting NBA championship. The Brewers, although they have not won a World Series, in my opinion, they're in the midst of a, their golden age of baseball, making the playoffs the past four out of five years and keeping relevant baseball happening in this great city. Here's the bottom line, though. Next time you were at a game in Milwaukee, maybe at American Family Field, maybe at the Pfizer, maybe down at the Deer District, maybe you're just watching it in your living room. Soak it in for a minute. We are very, very blessed. We are very lucky in this sports city. And sometimes, maybe more than normal, maybe more than usual, we forget how lucky we are. So you'd think our guy Elon Musk would have more important things on his mind today, what with the scheduled launch of his SpaceX Starship scheduled for later this morning. Nope. 
Gotta get to it. Well, I did say people were going to die. Musquatch. <laughs> Special edition of Musquatch. Yes, Musquatch for April 20th. We've got a guest today. Because today may be the day the blue check marks disappear from Twitter. ABC News technology reporter Mike Dubusky is with us live from New York this morning. So, Mike, I want to start with what traditionally a Twitter verified account is and why that matters. And then we can get into whether this is actually even going to happen today. Totally right. So there, there's two flavors of blue check mark out there right now as it stands this morning. There is the legacy blue checks, which you mentioned. This was a, a verification system that Twitter instituted years ago. It was meant to cut down on misinformation and, and impersonation on the platform. If you're a celebrity, you obviously don't want people kind of pretending to be you and instituting a scam or saying something off color. So Twitter would assign you a blue check next to your profile and that confirmed that you were the real Justin Bieber or Brie Larson or whomever. And, you know, for the most part, that worked. But the other sort of side effect of that was that blue checks came to convey a sense of legitimacy or importance on the platform. Twitter considered you important enough to be impersonated. And that's sort of an important part of this discussion. <laughs> yes. So that's that's one bucket, right? The other, the other flavor of blue check came recently, which is when Elon Musk took over. He revamped Twitter Blue, which is their subscription service. It costs eight bucks a month. And if you sign up for that, service, you get a bunch of features, including a blue check mark next to your profile. So out there, you, you it's sort of opaque as to who pays for Twitter and who was assigned a blue check. Um, but that's where it stands right now. And, and the thing that Elon Musk says is going to happen today is that the legacy blue checks, the old school blue checks, are going to go away, right? If you don't pay for Twitter, then you won't have a blue check mark out there. Talking with Mike Dubonsky, ABC News technology reporter. So... We've heard things like this from Elon Musk before, Mike. He kind of mm. seems to just sort of toy with people, whether they're Twitter users or the whole universe. Yes. So what is it? Are you, are you getting a sense of the likelihood that he actually goes through with this today? Well, it's weird to talk about this during a technology segment, but it is 420. Uh, and 420 is <laughs> yes. a number that, that Elon Musk has a history with. It's obviously it's it's the weed number. It's the marijuana number. And, uh, you know, he was sued in 2018 for tweeting that he was going to take Tesla private at 420 a share. He only settled that suit late last year. He also snuck a 420 reference into his original bid to buy Twitter. So it's a number he finds amusing. And it is also the reason that people think this whole sunsetting of legacy verification today might be a joke. But the people I've talked to uh, who, who follow Elon Musk very closely say it's, it's really impossible to know if you're not him. But he does seem to want to get rid of legacy blue checks. There does seem to be some intention behind this effort. Now, whether it happens today or whether he, it happens in the way that he thinks it's going to happen, uh, that's the bigger question mark. But he really does seem to want to get rid of those old school blue checks. Is he getting rid of users at all? Is there any way to know whether or not there's been less use on the platform? So, not really, not specifically, I should say. Um, the the really only indicator we have of usage on Twitter uh, comes from third parties. Uh, right now, the best estimate of that is that there are 250 million daily active users. And to, to get a sense of exactly how popular Twitter is with those users, uh, I think it's interesting to look at like recent news events, because obviously Twitter was important, uh, you know, for, for Newswire, for journalists. And uh, when... President Trump, former President Trump, got COVID. That was a big day on Twitter. There were a lot of tweets on that day about 
that exact news event. When Trump got arrested recently, there were fewer tweets. So that seems to be an indicator that fewer people are using Twitter. But again, that's that's kind of opaque. And, you know, we're, we're pretty far removed from like hard numbers there. I think an interesting number to talk about, though, is is the actual number of people who are subscribed to Twitter Blue, which Elon Musk seems to think is this big revenue driver for him. He says he wants half of, of users on Twitter to subscribe to Twitter Blue if they are going to weather the coming economic storm that he sees. Right now, that number sits at about 0.1 or 0.2 percent. So there's a fair amount of road left to be driven down there. Mike Dubusky, ABC News technology reporter. I see no blue check mark for you, Mike, so you better pay up. <laughs> I, I never had the blue check. I'm unbothered by this, you know? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Bye. Well, I did say people were going to die.